Welcome to Talking Mopars episode number 69. Today's show is part two of the three-part replay of the live stream that my motley crew of Mopar and I recorded for Talking Mopars Direct Connections Live number two. Who is my motley crew of Mopar? It's me, Johnny Mopar, Matt from the Mad Fro Monroe on Big Blocks Garage podcast, Blake from DIYHemi.com, and Braden from 66 Salvage Restoration. This is part two and hour two of three. So, without further ado, if you are a Mopar enthusiast, then you are in the right place. Don't go anywhere. You're tuned into the best Mopar enthusiast-driven podcast on planet Earth, and I am your host, Chris Albrecht, better known as the Mopar Hunter, and this is Talking Mopars, Direct Connections, live. You're listening to Talking Mopars with the Mopar Hunter, your direct connection to all things Mopar. I'm like Nostradamus, man. Yeah, you are. <laughs> uh, Carcraft. Carcraft, geez, I think it was like four years ago, three or four years ago. Carcraft did a head-to-head. I think it was a 5.3, Junkyard 5.3 LS with a, maybe a 76-millimeter turbo. And then they went ahead and they pulled out a 5.7 Hemi out of a truck with the yeah. same exact turbo on it. And, like, it cranked, I want to say, almost 100 horse more than the 5.3. Yeah, you know, and you're right. It's there. You know, they can hold it. Like especially the little five sevens, they can hold that boost. Once they started throwing better components on that thing, if it's the same article I'm thinking, because when I bought that hundred Hemi, of course, I was like, "What can we do to make this hundred dollar Hemi?" Yeah, (laughs) I saw that article. Like, I don't know if they did part one, part two, part three, or whatever. But by the end of it, they had over a thousand horsepower, and they're saying, "Look, this thing is gonna give up, but it is possible with a budget to have a four digit horsepower Hemi." It's just a matter of how long it'll last. But talking about LS engines, I want to get this off my chest really quick because what a lot of people forget, look at the history of 350s. People have been swapping 350s into everything forever. Mopars are behind decades. And we finally got the modern Hemi now, and now we're just trying to... But if you look at how things have gone, technology is on the Hemi side you know, with modern Mopars, because now we can bridge that gap really quick. Because I, my my wife's uncle has an old school Jag with a 350 in it. He's got an old Cadillac with a 350. Like, every anything that he can put a 350 in, the guy's put a 350, and he's crazy with 350s. And so when I think about the modern Hemi stuff, and I, I'm pissed because I'm a Mopar guy, and I'm like, this LS shit is ridiculous. But I start thinking, I'm like, okay, when did the... I remember when they were swapping L98 350s into mm-hmm. S10s. And mm-hmm. then the LT1 came, swapping those into Fieros and crazy shit. Oh, oh, you thought I was only a Mopar guy? I know all sorts of shit, guys. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just joking. Um, you know, then the LS1, it seems as soon as the LT1, there was like LT1 and LS1, that little brief period of time, it seems like shit just took off for all of those engines and then you get the the ls is blown up and now the hemis have come into the picture and i think it's i think we have a little bit of catching up to do but i think we're right there we're right on the cusp and like you were saying blake with huge aftermarket support hopefully on the way you know if holly's a big player in that game i don't know if any of you guys listening or watching know how big holly is and who owns everything pretty much i mean you name a performance and it's all under one umbrella you know what I mean? It's the Holly umbrella. 
Um, yeah. I didn't realize that until recently, until I started digging a little deeper because I, I wanted to work with Holly a little bit on some stuff, on some promotional stuff, because um, I was supposed to uh, go to Mo Party, which didn't work out. But um, I didn't realize how, you know, how far and wide they were spread as far as the uh, the parts and stuff. So that surprised me. But, you know, if they're jumping on board, you know, with a giant company like that, that has all these offshoots, hopefully, hopefully that'll all spread out to the Mopar world. And um, I think, I think we're in for some really good times ahead. Just sit tight. Like I said, Blake is in a great position. He's doing the R and D. That's why I'm friends with Blake. Cause you gotta you know, <laughs> network with guys like Blake. You know, <laughs> I really did it before. Like that was the, the biggest source of my frustration as I knew back in 2010, 2011, I knew, maybe before then, I wanted to do Gen 3 Hemi swaps. Like, I just, I, I knew it. And everyone made LS seem so easy. Oh, you just do this, hook up four wires, and you're running. And it really is that easy. And the whole, there's this whole mysticism. It's like, oh, Hemis are fueled with voodoo and magic, and nobody knows, and you can't crack them. It's impossible. You know, it's, you got to pay two, $3,000, and do all this stuff and it's not it's the same if not easier than an ls just somebody had to dig in and figure it out you know it's it's stupid simple to get these things going you know and we're there now so now that that secret's out it's like it's not voodoo it's not magic it's pretty easy to do this swap it's exciting you know because when more people do it more part availability pricing you know potentially could drop more people buying you know an oil pan well you know, supply and demand, all that stuff yeah. that manufacturers could produce more, maybe get a better price cut with foundries and manufacturers. It's there. And you know what else is exciting that I absolutely love? Seeing the Hellcat swapped into anything under the sun. Yes. Tens, Volkswagen bugs. I mean, I've seen anything, you know. Hey, look, if you put a, a, a Hellcat engine in a, a Mustang 2, you would make it actually look cool. And that's, that's I don't know, man. <laughs> well, you know what? Kind of being the old school guy here, uh, I'll tell you what kind of helps me. You know, I've, I've kind of grappled with this a little bit, you know, because I, I have uh, a fond affection towards the old school motors. You know, I love old Mopar big blocks. They're just, they're beautiful engines as far as I'm concerned, you know, but, um, I guess what helps me sleep is that, you know, when you look at, when you look at it, at, like the engines, kind of how we look at the cars, you know, um, these engines are no longer like plentiful and consumable. Like they once were, you, you can't get a 440 anymore. You know, you can get a Hemi now, but you, you can't get a 440 or a 383 or a 340, all those engines, like what we have is all we're going to get, you know, unless somebody makes new ones, which is highly unlikely. So, like, if you were racing a car, let's say, I mean, a lot of these guys, these old school guys, they might go through in in a in a their lifetime of racing, they might go through twenty blocks and just you know break them, and then when they break, they're done. They go into the the scrap heap, you know. Um, I mean, from the standpoint of they're still making these third gen Hemi's, they're plentiful. There's a steady supply of them, you know, as these cars get mileage and they hit the junkyards and stuff and the engines are plucked from them. It's sort of like, it's okay to consume as many as you want. If you can make cheap horsepower out of them. I mean, I'd, I'd be pretty inclined if it's cheap and it's uh, easy, 
and I was racing a car, like put a third gen Hemi on it, and I break it. It's like, oh well. I mean, if I broke my 440, I'd kind of. I mean, I've got extra 440 blocks, but still, I'd still kind of cry about it. You know, it's like there, there's another big block that's like bit the dust that'll never, never hit the roads again. You know, so yeah. I think from that standpoint, it kind of gives me a little comfort. Like, hey, let's let's keep it a Mopar. You know, put it in a car and it's consumable and not feel so uh, worried about cranking up the horsepower on it in case you break the thing, you know, mm -hmm. as you might you might do on an old school engine, you know. I think I think you're absolutely right. You know, they're a little bit more disposable and available. And yeah. I, I definitely want to say for the record, like, I love old school engines. You know, I have nothing against them. I cut my teeth on them. Um I, I love the aesthetics of an old school engine. It, if you oh, look, yeah. some of the most popular accessories out there is making an old, a new school engine look like an old school. Like it's, it's a thing. Like it's because does it tip back towards the history and like what the vehicle really stood for, you know? But just like you said, you know, they're not making any more 340s. They're not making any more 440s. So you have to find what you can. Yeah. And when I remember when I first got this car, you know, I had the, the Hemi swap everything in my last car and this car arrived and I knew it wasn't numbers matching anything. You know, it, the, the original powertrain, uh, I had the transmission, but the engine was long gone. And I looked at it and I said, okay, I can try to recreate this car and put it back to its heritage. Right. Because I, I really would like to do that. Or I'd I would like to have that option at one day. And I looked, okay, well, how much does a current, just a bare block TA three forty block go for right now? Five million. <laughs> Ouch. Okay, how about a, a forged crank? Ouch. How about a set of pistons? Ouch. Okay, now I'm fifteen to twenty thousand dollars in recreating a three forty six barrel, and it's like, well, I can go and have three grand into a Hemi swap have more power, more reliability, drive it every day and enjoy the car while I piece together. And I'm going to do that. I mean, I, I have 340 blocks, but I don't have a TA block, you know? So I have the original six barrel manifold. I have the heads, I got the rockers, but I know that's going to somehow snowball into like 15, $20,000 project. I don't have that kind of disposable income. Yeah. You know, we talk about getting the youth into the hobby. We want to keep these cars alive and on the road. I don't know many young people. I'm not young. You know, I'm closer to, I'm almost 40. You know, I'm closer to 40 than I am 30. I don't know many young people that we want to get into the hobby that can afford to drop 15 to 20 grand on an engine. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And that, that, that's right. kind of what's changed. That That's a big dynamic that's changed these days. And because, uh, you know, when I was, buying these cars dirt cheap in the nineties and wrenching on them and stuff like that. It's like, you know, I didn't have a lot of money, but I could own a charger easy. I could own five of them if I wanted to, you know, they were just so plentiful and they were cheap. Um, and that that's gone. You can't, I mean, shit, you know, sorry, Matt, but you know, a bodies, fuck a bodies. They were dime a dozen, man. I mean, what do we do to you? <laughs> Why you got to hate? Damn, Johnny! Shit, excited, man. Matt's Who over here all quiet, and you have to throw shots like that. Wow! I'm just saying, back man. then, who looked at a bodies? Nobody wanted an a body. They were. It was like shit. 
Pintos and A bodies. They were everywhere, you know. Don't you even put us in the category of Pintos. How right. dare you? Mavericks and Novas. Sorry. Uh, Those are fight kidding. words. Just Johnny, kidding. get the hell out. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> Matt, uh, if I go to Mo Party, I'm probably going to get the owner. Say <laughs> what? Oh, yeah, he has his duster. Oh, yeah, I have a duster. Johnny, I might, I might have to give you a fat lip to quote Fro, but I'll buy you a beer afterwards. All right, that sounds good. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, if you're a young guy getting into the hobby, it's like, what do you do? You can't, you can't touch an old school. You can't touch an A body. You can't, you know, the F. What are the F bodies? The Aspens and stuff. Those, yeah. Oh, uh, I'm sorry if anybody has one of those and they love their car. I, they're ugly, as far as I'm concerned. Hey. You know. As far as that goes, there's a guy in the chat. Ben asks uh, if we think a 6.4 or 6.2 would fit in a Chrysler Aspen. I say uh-oh. yes. Yes, it will. It absolutely will. And uh, so my, I don't even I don't even know that for a fact. But hey, hey, somebody somebody's done it. I, I would imagine, right? You yeah. know, I think I might have a remedy for you guys. Huh? What? Go ahead, Braden. No, I was just saying for some of the, for like, you know, some of the guys are probably like in their twenties, you know, early thirties. I have something that could probably work. So, uh, you know, some of you guys follow my Instagram and, and all that. I've been following uh, the truck I've nicknamed the beast since I've been rebuilding it for a year and six months. So I wasn't in the, in a financial position to find a super V I wanted. So I thought to myself, I thought, why not take a Dodge truck? So I found a Dakota RT. Mm-hmm. Why not take a Dakota RT and do the best of both worlds, combining uh, so off-road mud bog use and muscle car? So mm-hmm. I basically took the truck. So it's got a three and a half inch body lift with the six and a half inch custom uh, mud slick paint scheme. Uh, but we took a, a three eighteen. And we built the 340 stroker out of it. So the Magnums now are more popular blocks than the old LA or Poly blocks. So yeah. mine is a 68. So it's right at the end, end of the era of a Poly going into the LA. So, but that's something for a guy that's got, you know, a Dakota out there or something. You know, what can I do? Well, you could take your Dakota and make it into a muscle truck or a mixture of a muscle truck versus a, you know, off-road mud bog thing. And it really doesn't cost an arm and a leg to do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just I, I, under anywhere between like 5,600. Yeah. Oh, and I think, I think that's going to be, that's like what's bridging the gap. I mean, I think, I think the trucks are really cool from, from Mopar. And if you wanted to get into the hobby cheap, like that's, probably one of your best options and i think i think the generations to come when these you know the the modern muscle cars the modern mopars we're looking at today that are brand new and kind of expensive you know those cars are going to get old they're going to get mileage and like chris was saying they're going to be stacking up in the junkyards and stuff people are going to be leaving them on the side of their house when they're the rat ate their wiring harness and it's just sitting there rotting away you know i that generation, whenever it comes, 
those are going to be the guys like I was back in the 90s, you know, knocking on the door, buying the car for, well, I don't think it'll be a hundred bucks or anything, but, you know, maybe it'll be a couple of grand and you could, you know, buy a new harness to get it back up and running again on the dirt cheap. And we'll be reliving this whole cycle, you know, 30 years from now or 40 or 50 years from now. Uh, But unfortunately those guys in between those guys between, you know, what I was snatching up in the nineties and what is considered pretty badass and new today, those guys in that era, it's like, they don't have a whole lot. All the old school stuff is really expensive. All the brand new stuff is really expensive. Mm -hmm. And the stuff in the middle, like from the mid seventies, I would say to easily the late nineties was kind of, I mean, there wasn't anything spectacularly cool trucks aside. I mean, I think trucks are cool. But they were never, you know, you're not getting Chargers or Super Bs or, you know, those kinds of cars. So, I don't know. I think you're right. I think it is a cycle. I mean, yeah, it's people yeah. want their youth. You know, it's it's almost like you, you you're trying to relive your your youth and your memories. You know, so the way I, I'm telling you, write this down. I'm telling you guys right now, those RTs, those that just like you're talking about, Brady, the, the RT you're talking about, even the D150s, all that stuff right now, that's the affordable one. Give it 15 years. I'm telling you in 15 years that those were the, the low budget trucks, the low budget builds that people in their youth, their twenties could afford right now. But when they get in their forties and fifties, they're going to think back, you know, to their youth and make, man, I want to get another one of those trucks. And so that demand is going to start creeping up and those values are going to start creeping up. Yeah. And I, I'm, I'm telling you, you buy stock in some D one fifty, some, some uh, Dakotas and stuff like that. And 10 to 15 years, you will be just sitting on, you know, the, the little kids are going to you know, be knocking on your doors. The adults are going to be knocking on your doors. They're going to want those trucks because that's what they remember from their youth. They have those emotional connections to that stuff from their youth. Yeah. I think it's going to happen. I, it, I plus, plus they're dying off. I mean, the more that go through junkyards and get completely scrapped out and they're just gone, you know, they're the handful that survives into the future is there's those guys are going to be fighting over them, trying to snatch them up, you know, and there's not going to be a lot to take from, but you know, and I, I think the tin grills are, they are just, I think they're at the beginning of starting to go up in value. You know, you're starting to see some that are getting up there in price and, um, but they're still out there. You can still find some deals, I think. Um, but yeah, I, you know, it's just like this slowly, things get old and then they, they go really cheap and then they go really expensive and then nobody could buy them. And so you got to go into the, the next generation. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I feel sorry for the guys that are in this in-between phase. They can't, they can't yeah. grab either one of them. There's, there is no like really cheap uh, tons of cars to draw from, you know? Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. Yeah. It's pretty bad out there. Let's look through this chat really quick and kind of knock some of these questions out. All right. Let's see what mm-hmm. who okay, who is R- Rick Lopez? You better not be serious, dude. What? <laughs> he said you guys are all jerk offs. F Trump. And then he said I have a Supra 1994 30,000 miles. Sell it and get a Mopar. What? Uh, <laughs> what? <laughs> 
Uh, okay, Paul Walker, get the hell out. So, okay. What do we got here? Um, lots of LS talk. Thanks, Mike. <laughs> That's great. Uh, there, hey, you might be onto something though with uh, more kits to swap LSs into Mopars. I don't think there's a kit to swap a LS into an A body, but there's definitely a market for it. I mean, I hate to say that, but there definitely is. Um, I see Mike's oh. Mike's threatening me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the Aspen, the Aspen. <laughs> he wasn't talking about the old Aspen. He was talking like the clone of the Durango from 2007, 2009. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. The 5.7, he says, is a tight fit, which I, I've seen them in the wrecking yards. They, they, they are a tight fit in those things. But I'd imagine you could get, if, you, if a Hemi's in there, I mean, how much bigger is the 6.4, 6.2 with the supercharger compared to a 5.7? Is it that big of a difference, Blake? Just the, it's the height of the, the blower itself. I mean, really, if you look at the block, no. It's, I mean, it's and if you were to put a, it's a small block, a modern small block. I mean, your your Hellcats, your six twos have a few little differences. You know, engine mounts maybe a little bit different. Your your height of the actual engine itself because of the blower, the volume of the blower, it's a little taller. But I mean, if you put if you put a five seven and a 6-1 right next to each other. Take the intake manifolds off. Put some tape over the port so you can't see the port's shape or size, right? And just spray paint them. Bomb them straight out black so you can't tell color or anything. You can't tell the difference. Physically, if you swap them, it's the same size. They use the same conversion mounts. Bolts up the same way. 6-4, it's you know kind of the same thing. Cover up the, the ports on the heads. Uh, you know, take the timing, the timing cover, the timing chains a little bit deeper, like the VVT aero engines. So, no, it's it's no physical difference. If you want to do a five seven, six one, six four, six twos, Hellcat's a little bit different. Like on the back of the blower, they have the um, the the coolant crossover lines on the back of the supercharger, or the built-in intercooler. You know, liquid air that. Um, interferes a lot of times on our old schools like a b e f bodies that'll hit the firewall so there's a couple companies that make a low profile one but it'll all just go in the same more or less yeah. interesting interesting i have a couple more questions that we need to follow up on so don't let me forget blake um okay. scott my buddy he's got a badass darty drag races um he says i'm curious how hard it would be to hemi swap a 70s or 80s van it's funny you should say that scott <laughs> some stuff some stuff is in the works okay just sit back and uh watch the show um my, mike coffee says bagged and bodied <laughs> that would be interesting mike trust me the thought has crossed my mind um but uh i haven't decided yet i really like the old school shit dude i like the flared fenders i like the fat tires and i like the 15 by 10s and the fatties in the back I, I like that the side pipes there's a lot that i've been mulling over and i think Maybe eventually, but I got to go old school. I got to go, you know, I got vanning in my blood, dude. I got to go. I got to go hippie for a little bit. You know what I mean? Um, hmm. Yeah, lots of LS Mopar talk, which is bullshit. Okay, Mike? That's what? bullshit. I know. It's Mike starting all that shit on there. <laughs> you guys, so I showed you guys the freak a picture of Mike's duster he just picked up, right? You guys see that thing? Yeah. That's what he's threatening me when you uh, he's <laughs> Yeah, it was a run, <laughs> run yours. Yeah. He's, 
He said big block gonna take down a big block and yeah, my my big block is like a puny big block. His I I know where Mike will go. Mike will go with a big, big block and <laughs> see the freaking tire on that freaking car? Holy shit. <laughs> Mine looks like this and his is like freaking off the screen here. <laughs> I uh I, I'm reading this. I missed this a little bit. It looks like I wasn't really reading it too much, but he's got another. Of course, Mike Coffee finds another car, and this one's yeah. in this one's in a, a one owner car, the most preserved car he's ever found, and it's in a storage garage in Compton. Hey, Mike, you might want to take me, dude. Okay, <laughs> uh, and the 426 uh, Street Wedge in a four speed icing on the cake. I'm curious to see this car. Um, any guesses as to what he found, guys? Yeah, Johnny, do you know? No, I don't know. That, the, his posting hmm. there in the comments was the first I heard of it. So it'll be interesting. But I'm guessing it's like one of those aluminum fendered, uh, you know, early B bodies, like 63, hmm. 64, maybe. That's he what said I was it thinking. Was, he said a Max street wedge, wedge, right? Yeah, yeah Max Wedge. Yeah. Yeah. Funny story about Compton really quick. When I was driving trucks over the road, I had a load going to Compton. And I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> right. Yeah. And, uh. I'd never been to Compton, so I didn't know what to expect. And I'm like, my hands are starting to get sweaty because I'm like, I'm in this truck with a million dollar load. Who knows? I could get jacked. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And I get off the freeway and I'm looking to one side and it's like, it's like, I don't know, the Ice Cube, Chris Tucker movie, Friday. It's like Friday over on this side over here. And then I look to the other side and it's like industrial area. And I look at the GPS, it's like left. And I was like, thank God. <laughs> Go left. <laughs> that, that was a fun day um traffic i don't know how you guys deal with california dude i sat i w i went for it took me six hours to go from los angeles to fontana i about put a bullet in my head johnny i don't know how it you, how close I, are you to la uh it's probably what about two hours or so two hour drive Okay. I mean, I, I'm far enough away from it, but I, I hate LA. I hate driving through there. Traffic is just insane. Yeah. Um, but even where I live, it used to be rural about 20 years ago, but shit, everybody's leaving the big cities and coming out here. So now it's packed. So we have, I, I wouldn't say it's as bad as LA, but we've got some pretty bad traffic ourselves. So you're down in Riverside? Yeah. Riverside yeah. County. Um, uh -huh. I live in Wildemar, which is right next, <clears throat> excuse me, to Lake Elsinore. Pe most people, if you've been around this area, it Temecula is the biggest, or I shouldn't say the biggest, but the most recognizable city in the area, mm -hmm. my area. So we're we're about 15 minutes north of Temecula. Okay, I was so, down there two years ago. Yeah, oh, really? January two years ago. A really close friend of mine uh, was uh, he moved there and. Uh, he was married, and we went fly down and uh, stayed there for a week just uh, to go to the wedding and, you know, tour the area. And I really liked it. It's a nice area. Yeah, it's pretty nice out here. I, I like it, too. Weather's pretty awesome. Can't complain about the weather. Tax, taxes taxes suck. <laughs> Gas is expensive, you know. But other than that, it's a great place to live. <laughs> Scott says, Hemi swap a Ram 50. That has come to mind. Um, oh. I actually recently I saw a Ram 50 locally to me. This thing, I mean, it had me aroused, fellas. This guy has a Ram, <laughs> a Ram 50, right? 440 swapped. The thing was a it was a death trap. I'm not shitting you. 
it took everything I had not to go grab 2000 and be like, well, today's a good day to die, fellas. <laughs> that thing, the tires on that, it was it was everything you could have wanted in a shitbox Ram 50. <laughs> Big block. It was ridiculous. And I was looking at it, and he had like, um, I think he had Kirky seats in it. So mm-hmm. the aluminum race seats. And I'm looking at it, and I'm looking at the harnesses that he had in it. And I'm looking at everything else around that thing. And I'm like, this thing is going to fall apart. I was like, I, I think the guy got in it, got it running. And I think he stabbed it once and felt the whole thing go. And I think he's like, I think he was like, okay, I'm selling this fucking thing. <laughs> God, I saw it and I was like, oh, two grand. I'll give you 500 bucks for it, dude. It looked like a death trap. But yeah, that would, that would be cool. That hey, Chris, cool do, you, do you have the ability to show pictures? Yeah, what do you got? Yeah, you could do sh- uh, screen share if you look at the the bottom of uh oh well all right i'm gonna i'm gonna mike sent me the pictures of that car oh you guys you guys can see that you can share screens too i didn't know that can you Mm -hmm. see that i can see it oh okay all right yeah johnny show whatever you want as long as it's not porno or anything (laughs) i'll I'll tell you what i'm gonna send them i'm gonna send them to you and then you can post it i'm gonna take no chances all right everybody focus on chris to see what his eyes do <laughs> you guys don't want to see my search history, all right? LS swapping Mopars, get your minds out of the gutter. Right. <laughs> all right, what you got, Johnny? Where are you sending right. it? It's gonna it's gonna take me a few minutes because I gotta save it from the text, and then I gotta send. I'll send it to uh, our our group thing on Messenger. All right, sounds good. Um, what else we got here? I think that's pretty much it. Uh, Scott said we're doing a good job. Thanks, Scott. Get get your camera oh, and. Thanks, uh, Scott. Get your camera and a mic and jump jump on the show. That's a, this is an open forum. If anybody wants to jump on, jump on. We'll uh, so we'll talk. Mopars. Circle back around a little bit. Blake was talking about guys talking about I have to spend like three thousand dollars to get a Hemi and whatnot. There's deals out there. Like I found a pair of Hemi's for five hundred dollars the other day, mm-hmm. and oh, wow. I mean they were they were shot. They need to be rebuilt, but still five hundred dollars for a pair of Hemi's. And then there's one for one hundred twenty bucks. I mean. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I got one for a hundred. Yeah, there you go. I mean, three thousand. I was really meaning like the swap, like Uh, pieces, like you know. That's kind of what I was referring to. uh, All the adapter parts, but you're right. You could find some killer deals out there. I mean, mine was six hundred, and it already been to the machine shop. That's awesome! Wow. We pulled for the uh, the low buck Hemi truck, our project that we're uh, on our YouTube channel, the DIY Hemi YouTube channel. Um, we picked up the D one fifty, it's eighty eight D one fifty for six hundred bucks, and then we picked up for four hundred bucks a running five uh, seven Jeep Commander, and uh, I mean you can do it for cheap. So we're we're literally trying to do this truck is you know just most bare bones, right? Let's let's get it up and going and see how low cost we could actually do this thing and we've kicked around the idea before i mean we we first started the project before we even had the the donor vehicle you know we we're kind of looking for uh pull out engines we had put our budget like all right we can spend no more than five grand on this truck like buying the truck every little bell whistle you, know, you name it like no more than five grand on this truck we're gonna make a little hot rod for five grand and when the deal fell in our lap with this commander it's kind of about knowing what to look for, you know. Uh, we responded to a YouTube ad. Guy had not YouTube, uh, marketplace ad. Guy had an ad on there. He said, "2006, 
5.7 Commander. You didn't even have Hemi in that. It just said 5.7 Commander, blown head gaskets, 500 bucks. And I was like, okay, that's really close. It was like three miles from my house. And long story short, he brought it to a mechanic. The mechanic said, oh, it's got blown head gaskets because it's leaking coolant on the ground. Literally, that's what he said. But it, And the guy goes, it was funny because it runs fine. I'm like, wait, wait, let me get this straight. And this is, Brady, this is going back to old school, right? Just knowing how cars work, right? It's like, yeah, um, yeah that doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Like none whatsoever. So we get it home. Uh, he's, he lost the title work to it, and we only wanted the engine. So we're like, okay, look, it's going to cost you 150 bucks to get a new title for it. We don't care about the title. How about we just drop it to 400? We call it a day. Get it home, throw a battery in it. It cranks right up, runs beautifully. It had a leaking water pump. Uh. <laughs> right? So, Shit. score. <laughs> right. So, we're looking at this Jeep, and it's got like all the magical swap po- uh, components. It's got the rear mount oil pan, rear sump oil pan. It's got the tight fitting Jeep header uh, manifolds. It's got the right, all the right accessories, the right alternator, everything. And our budget, we're like, you know, we could probably do this for sub 3,800 now. Like the truck, the powertrain, the swap components, everything. Wow. So you can really build a really cool budget truck, just like Matt was saying. I mean, those deals are out there. You just got to know what to look for. Yeah. Maybe having a little bit more experience helps you get those better deals. Can you guys I think see what, this? A little bit. I think what intimidates a lot of guys, though, is like the drive to have to get these parts sometimes or the deals like the engine. My engine was two hours away. Mm-hmm. We had to go get it. I mean, don't be scared to go for a drive. You'll meet some cool folks on the way. That's true. Yeah. You'll find some cool stuff, too. Right, Matt? Like you'll get on these little back roads and you'll see a car that you've never even seen you know, in your life or something that would easily get bypassed if you were on an interstate, you know, you're in this little back. Oh, yeah. You've never driven before. That's, that's good car hunting. Yeah. Like from, oh, sorry, Chris, go ahead. We're driving. I was, just, I was just saying, yeah, that you might find another Mopar sitting in the field somewhere or something. So funny story, Fro and I almost bought a car together and, and uh, we regret not buying it. It was a sixties era four door Monaco that we found sitting on the side of the road in backwoods, Missouri with a carbon fiber wrap on the hood and everything. We almost bought it together and both of our wives got very upset. <laughs> <laughs> what is this? Fury, fury or something? Was that a fury? It's a fury. Or uh, I can't see. Like it's too grain. That's grainy. Um, Mike, is Mike in the chat? I can't see anything right now, so I don't know if anybody's chatting about it. Ask Mike what it is. It looks like a I, I could be right. it could be a Polara too. I don't I don't know what the hell I'm talking about. It looks like a that, oh, it does. Kinda, is that a two? It's throwing me off a little bit. I gotta be honest. Here's a clearer picture. It'll tell us what it is right here. I just can't see if it's grainy. It looks like that looks like a Fury emblem to me. Um one, yeah, I, I right? think the, yeah. the trim that you see on the between the tail lights, I think the Fury's got that. The Savoys were strip models; they didn't that get was the trim. I couldn't come up with that, the Plymouth Savoy, but uh, yeah, 
That's Savoy's sweet. I love the Savoy's. But yeah, that one's got a lot of chrome on it, so it's probably a Fury. I think you're right, but I don't. Mike I just commented. Yeah, the that it's a Fury too, though. They didn't have that one. Has the the metal chrome down the middle of the uh the back. The Fury the Fury twos don't have the chrome split down the back. That one does. On the hmm. on the deck lid. Yes. Okay. Look at the size of these tires, guys. <laughs> I know, isn't that insane? No wonder it's in Compton. It's probably on Dayton wires. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh. All right. Cool, man. I can't wait to see that video, Mike. That'll be fun. You know, all right. So you you guys, if you, Mike Whoa. is constantly dragging something home. I mean, it's entertaining just if you can friend Mike on Facebook just to see the stuff he, he drags home. So I can tell you how it, go, how it goes. All of a sudden, he'll be in a, a car wash, one of those uh, pressure washers. Mm-hmm. So that car will be on the, his trailer. He'll be car washing. He'll be shooting all the dirt off of it, you know. And then there will be about 20 comments of people giving him shit about uh, how much is it for sale and how many cars do you have and whatnot. So – it's pretty entertaining just to just to see the comments. <laughs> What's up, cool Bud? Stuff. Bud's in the chat. What's up, Bud? What's up, man? We tried to get him on, but he's just joining us via chat this time. Cool. Awesome. Yeah, man. Yeah, well, Mike. That's a – oh, it's not a sport fury. I missed that. Just a regular fury, Mike. That's got to be – is that a four-speed, 426 street wedge – that is a little rare, isn't it, for those cars? Or is that pretty common? I thought it had to be like something. I didn't realize that you could just get a 426 street wedge and just anything. But I don't. I don't know the trim levels of those cars street very wedge. well. What, Braden? Go ahead. Street or max wedge? Uh, it's a street. That's what. That was what kind of was throwing me off. I know a little bit about the max wedges, but not enough about the other ones. Um, you, you lose me. That's how I was trying to get the Savoy. I was that, that word was on the, uh, edge of my tongue. I couldn't figure it out. Um, yeah, I got to do more stuff on the, the really old stuff. Cause, uh, it's really cool. I really like the max wedge era. And I, t- I, to be honest, I don't know enough about it to make me an expert. I do know that a nine nineties are badass. I know that they were like the precursor to the super stock darts and stuff like that. Um, back when they were really starting to, you know, the early sixties when they're really kicking off that drag racing um, yeah. program at Chrysler. Uh, definitely a cool part of the history that needs to be, um, I need to bring on an expert of that kind of stuff and have them school me. <laughs> yeah. There's some cool stuff with those. Like the, you know, about the K members, the, I don't K- think so. No, they had like these lightweight K members and they were, I, I don't know if they were aluminum or they were just thinned out steel, whatever they were. Because those cars would freaking wheel up, you know, and they come slamming down. The K members would crack on them. They were like, uh, they were not very good. So most of those racers, if they didn't get cracked, they pulled them off and put a later or or a stock K member into it, a steel one, so it survived better. But they're so hard to find now. So these guys that restore these cars to all original, you know, if you have a Max Wedge car and you want it to be all original and you want that K member on that car – 
good luck finding one. You'll never find one, let alone the aluminum fenders and stuff like that. Once yeah. I got the aluminum part, <laughs> shit. Yeah. Good luck. Super rare. Super rare. You think um, bumper jacks for chargers were expensive. <laughs> right? <laughs> exactly. Uh, that's funny. Hey, Mike, Mike put his Instagram at body dropped a 100. So if you want to follow Mike, go to the comment section to see his Instagram and check him out. It looks like Mike says later K moves the engine back a few inches too. Yeah. And I'd heard that too. If you put, I think it's the 68 to 70 style K member. Well, even into 71s and twos, the whole engine moves back farther, which is better for weight transfer. So a lot that of sense. neat stuff. All right. Before I forget, Blake, I had a guy on the Mopar Hunter page reach out mm -hmm. to me and he wanted to know, he was talking about swapping a Hemi, a modern Hemi and an old B body. And he had some questions about, um, the bell crank assembly and, and hooking up the throttle and the pet. He was more concerned about the pedal from the new car, but I didn't have enough. Like I wasn't smart enough techn uh, uh, technically to tell him, um, that you don't necessarily need the pedal. So can you explain that? Yeah, it really just depends on what transmission you are using. So if you run an old school uh, 727-904-518, you know, something like that, um, you would want some sort of a, a kick down assembly, right? Like a TV assembly. Mm -hmm. um, so what you could do in that case is you have the original pedal in your car, the old cable pedal that you push and it, you know, pulls the cable. And they would use a 2003 and 2004. That was the only two years that had it. The Dodge Rams had what they call a bell crank assembly. It was this little box that mounted under the fuse box and battery tray on the driver's side. And so it was just a cable. But instead of going to the throttle body, it went to this box. And it was uh, very small. And inside, it was a throttle position sensor. Well, what people typically do there is you could drill the uh, the camber arm and put uh, a cable, like a low car cable, uh, that goes from that all the way down to the throttle valve on the side of the transmission that would you know vary the pressure the into the TV valve on the side of the transmission. So as you hit the gas pedal, the original gas pedal in the car, it torques the cam on this little sensor, and then it also pulls the throttle valve on the transmission at the same time, much like a carburetor. Um, that's... So you're, you're converting mechanical movement into electronic mm -hmm. because the engine is basically electronically adjusting the valve body, right? Right. So every single Hemi, uh, third generation Hemi, has always had an electronic throttle body. All of them have had it. Okay. 03 and 04 trucks, kind of the first years of the Gen 3 Hemi, uh, because those years, a lot of them still had like the four sevens with the, you know, the the electric throttle body, um, I mean, sorry, the cable throttle body, they did this bell crank assembly. It was a two-year only deal, right? And it works out really well because it's a great way to pull down the kickdown linkage, you know, the, the, the TV valve. Um, it works really well. But let's say you're running um, either a modern transmission or a manual transmission, 833 four-speed. Uh, you don't need that at all. You can just literally unbolt, like my car, I unbolted the original gas pedal, pulled it out, and I made an adapter bracket that would bolt in the original bolt holes on the floor, 
and then it goes up about four inches and the electric gas pedal bolts on to that. So in my car, I have an electric gas pedal. I don't have a cable driven gas pedal. Interesting. Does so it look, it, does it look weird in there? I'm just curious. Not really. I don't yeah. think I'll have to send some pictures. Maybe you could post them up later. Um, and you sell this adapter that bolts to the firewall to the not, stock location. Not yet. Not yet. All right. Not but yet. it's coming. It's coming. Secrets, secrets. <laughs> Matt, 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 what are you doing about your throttle? I don't know if I've. Uh, I'm running the Holly Terminator X, so it's just gonna feed off of the. Uh... Unfortunately, I didn't know about Blake when I bought all this. Um, otherwise, we probably would have been a lot better off, budget wise. Um, but uh, I'm just gonna run the charger, throttle body, throttle position sensor, with the pedal. I'm just gonna mount it to the firewall and go from there. Nice. Hope for the best. Let's talk. I I cannot promote this enough. And that's the modern hemi swaps. I think they're so cool. So Blake, if for the people out there that are still on the fence mm-hmm. and they're building their Mopar and they're like, they just I know what they're thinking. They're like, gosh, a modern engine in an old car, that's gonna Mopar's already expensive enough. It'd be way easier for me to go get a four forty, you know, throw a big carb on it, some headers and cam and have some fun. Um if you if you were starting over with a, a project car, mm-hmm. uh, it doesn't matter what it is, old Mopar. What if it, budget in mind? I mean, anybody can drop thirty. I mean, not anybody, but you can go drop thirty grand on a elephant or whatever. But right. for the budget minded guy who's going, okay, I could get the four forty, or I could see what I can do with a modern Hemi. What would you suggest to them as far as budget minded getting a modern Hemi in an old Mopar? What would you do? What would you suggest? Uh, first thing I would do. Um, is kind of look at what you have. So really kind of gauge what you have to start with and what you can reuse because that's going to directly impact your budget. So if you have an old school Mopar, if you wanted to pick the project or if you had the project already, if it started off with a small block Mopar, like a small block V8, LA block, you know, stuff like that, you are already way ahead of the game because you have a lot more options. And the reason I say that is because so much is a direct bolt on to the third generation Hemi, the small block 727, the 904, a small block bell housing and an 833, literally it bolts right up to the third generation Hemi. It's the same bell housing bolt pattern Um, for the 833. You have to trim. It's like um, it's a little over. Let's say like three quarters of an inch between five, five eighths, three quarter of an inch. You have to trim off the input shaft because of the registers a little uh, shallower on the third generation Hemi. Um, but other than that, it bolts right in. If you run a 727 or a 904, there's like a $70 flex plate that you buy instead of running the traditional LA, like a 340 or a 318 flex plate. You, uh, you just buy this flex plate, and that's it. It bolts all together. It uses the same transmission mount, same uh, shift linkage, or like, you know, the, the console shifter or column shifter. All that stays the same because it's the original transmission for the car. Drive shaft stays the same. That's all the same. So you saved all this money. Your, your transmission, all that's the same. So you're doing a budget build. Reuse. The cheapest thing is to reuse the old school transmission, drive shaft, shifting linkage assemblies, all that stuff. Then I would say go after um, the Eagle 
as you know, budget build. The reason why I say that is you can do like an 03 through 2008, which is the, the earlier Gen 3 Hemis. They put out about, on average, let's say 340 horsepower, 340, 345 horsepower. But if you step up to the VVT, the Eagle engines, which is 2009 and newer, the 5.7 now puts out 370 horsepower. So 370 horsepower is no slouch. You can pick up one of those engines, I'd say very easily. Like without looking hard, you can get one for 1500 bucks. You know, you can find a much better deal than that if you wait longer. Okay. So bolt that up to your transmission, get you a set of it's like $160 for the engine mounts. And that's it. The engine, transmission, drive shaft, physically everything's bolted up. Now you just need the wiring harness and the coolant. So um, you can just get. Uh, like a Jeep uh, Commander or a Jeep Grand Cherokee upper radiator hose and probably run your same small block uh, radiator and just put an electric fan on it. Or you can do like Champion has a really good three core. That's what I run. It's a, a race radio, aluminum, aluminum radiator. It's like 220 bucks for a three core aluminum race radiator. And it's made with the inlet and the outlet on the driver's side. So it just uh, it aligns with, you know, the way they were in the modern Hemi cars like the LX, the Charger, Challenger platform. Uh, to me, that's the best thing you could do. If you want to budget, go that route. 370 horses, no slouch, especially in these lighter cars, like say an A body, uh, even the B bodies. You can't go wrong. I mean, you could really be into the whole swap for under three thousand dollars. And that's your fuel system, that's everything you need to get up and running. And I think that's very economical. That's on par with LS. It really is. Yeah. And you're the perfect person to make that comparison because you were deep in the LS world. That's good stuff. Good stuff. So hopefully people were paying attention um, to what Blake was saying, because it's definitely good food for thought, depending on if you're still on the fence, you know, you got your project and you're figuring out what you want to do with it. You know what I mean? Um, Scott. Chris. It's yeah. reversible. Yeah, you're right. You don't cut anything. It bolts right in. It's a bolt in. And if you ever want to go back to all original, you want to go back classic, by all means, do it. Just unbolt it and put it back to original. Yeah, I like that. Scott asked, this is a good question. He's curious if the electric gas pedal is NHRA legal in old school Mopars. I, I don't know the answer to that. That's that's definitely technical. I don't know. The yeah, rule that, You'd have that, to look the rule book or something. Yeah, absolutely. I, I'm going to venture to say that I don't think it is illegal because if you look at the drag pack challengers, you look at the Cobra jets and the modern Mustangs. And I mean, that's well rooted in HRA, you know, all of those modern powertrain vehicles, you know, you can go get a, was a body in white challenger, the drag pack challenger. And it's just, it's whatever you want. It could be a five, seven, or it could be a, a, a Hellcat engine in there, whatever it might be. Um, and every single one of them has electronic throttle body. Um, yeah. it's I think he was, I think he was thinking just uh, in general for old school Mopars, if te if mm -hmm. it could pass tech, I'm not sure. That's a great question. That's a great um, question. I don't know the answer to that. Yeah. That's something. I yeah. Lizzie Musi, Lizzie Musi, Pat Musi's daughter is, running that actually in one of her older cars oh really huh. 
Well, there, there you go. I guess. Uh, well, yes. uh, no prep is an NHRA. That I don't know what the kind of tech they do, but they definitely don't follow the NHRA rule book. I think. I may be speaking out of line, but I'm not sure. No, I had that. a I had a meeting with uh, Pat Musi two days ago, actually. Oh, really? Cool. And we were talking about his engines and what his daughter's doing and uh, the different rules that they're going towards, especially for the older cars. And that's one of the things that he brought up to me, actually. Oh, wow. Well, that's cool. there's your there's your answer, Scott. <laughs> All systems go. Um, that's awesome. Uh, Mike Coffey, he asks, what's the horsepower limitation of stock Gen 3 internals? I, I heard they let go around five 600 horsepower boosted. I don't know how true that is. I, I was looking up some stuff to see if I just bolted on a turbo to a modern Hemi, how much I could throw at it. But I heard they, like, what, five or six pounds, and then you get into dangerous territory of boost if you were to turbocharge it? No, you can make crazy, ridiculous power. Um, it's it's kind of like everything out there, you know. You, you get into the larger bore, the larger displacements. Obviously, the blocks are a little bit thinner because it's a larger bore, um, you know. With the guys that do boost, the biggest thing on the 6.4 guys is they look for the BGE block, which it actually made its debut in, like, the power wagons, the trucks with the 6.4. So they actually had a stronger, more rigid block in the pickup trucks than the cars did in the very beginning, you know, the advent of the 6.4, like, in 2011, I want to say. And then now if you look, everything maybe – don't quote me on this, like 2015, 2016 on, even the cars got the BGE block. So it was it was a better, more rigid, it was a stouter block that could handle more boost. Uh, it was reinforced. Um, you know, boosting a 5.7 is different than boost, boosting a 6.1 or a 6.4 or a 6.2. You know, 6.2 is actually, you know, blown already from the factory. So it's, it's designed for more than that. If you look at the we got the demon pushing a thousand horsepower with the right key and race gas and the right ECM. If they are put together correctly, you're in the triple digits, and that's no questions asked. If it's put together, I mean, if if you ask me, you could take a five seven block because it's got you know just set up right. It's just not as large of boards, just not as uh, crazy as some of the early six fours. If you prep it right, you can put out some really big numbers on that thing really big numbers interesting yeah i mean uh my buddy chuck from uh hemi pages doing the build mopar project i'm i can't wait for that dart to get going because they're doing a stroker in that thing a 426 stroker with a whipple on it and Mm -hmm. uh it's going to be over a thousand horsepower so i can't wait to see i can't wait to see what that thing looks like and performs like especially that'll be real fun um where's this noise coming from who's making noise (laughs) hold on is that me I try, do you guys hear that? Yeah. Yeah. What'd you have for lunch, Chris? Nothing. <laughs> nothing. I ate breakfast. I am tripping right now. <laughs> oh, man. What other questions we have here? What do we got? Uh, da, 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 da. Chris Field, Johnny, that's your buddy. They broke a 5.7 with a blower at 500 wheel horsepower. It's been a few years, he says. I mean, if it's not built right, I guess. Yeah, I mean, like anything else. (laughs) Did it? Did Did he say if it had like uh, stock bottom end, like either rods or even just like ARP bolt upgrades, anything like that? 
No, he he didn't say anything like that. But I imagine if you just if you take a stock five seven and you boost the hell out of it, it might be fun for a little bit. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. That might be a fun ride for about mm, ten seconds. What's but the I, old thing about the moped? It's fun until your friends catch you, something like that. I I had a scooter for a little bit. I was riding to work. I had a Honda Ruckus fifty, and we have this highway out here that's fifty five. And I got this is a true story. I actually traded a Jeep Cherokee for it. I should hang myself for that move but i i if without that i wouldn't have been able to sell that thing and get my dart that was that's kind of funny but i don't think i've ever told this story on the podcast because it's so lame but it's kind of funny so i'm on this little 50 honda Ruck- i don't know if you've seen honda ruckuses but it's like this huge thing and people yeah. like customize them and stuff i just wanted something fun to ride <laughs> fun to ride <laughs> got the wrong that matt's laughing he's a harley guy <laughs> and- <laughs> A lot of my relatives, my dad rides a motorcycle or has a motorcycle to ride. He really doesn't ride that much. But my uncle and my cousin, they're Harley guys, right? So, of course, I didn't tell them that I had this ruckus, right? Because I had never been on powered two wheels. So I get on this 55-mile-an-hour highway, and I'm riding to work. It's 3 a.m. because at the time I was delivering beer in a semi. So I started at 3. So I'm on this highway, right? And I'm riding. The thing's pinned at 35, right? I'm glad nobody's around at 3 o'clock in the morning. So I'm pinned. Right, a coyote. <laughs> this no <laughs> bullshit. A coyote comes out, runs across the road. The fucking thing was bigger than me on the bike. I was like, whoa. <laughs> I was like, okay, he could have attacked me. <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh, and then uh, yeah, that thing. God, that thing was slow. I don't know what the hell I was thinking, but the guy, <laughs> the guy traded me that ruckus for this Jeep Cherokee, this '91 uh jeep cherokee that I had because for a minute for a very brief minute i wanted to build a wheeler so i could go wheeling because a lot of my buddies are into jeeps and i just wanted to be cool too <laughs> and uh, it didn't work out for me um but i sold the ruckus and went and got my dart so it all worked out but yeah that coyote man i was like wow they're a lot bigger than they look when you're in a big truck you know they they look like cats almost and then when you're down on the ground you know, freezing your ass off and you see this thing run across the road. It's like, was that a wolf? What What the hell was that? <laughs> yeah, here's the funny thing too, Matt, if you ride, you probably know this. <laughs> You'll see the bikers, you know, they're riding, they give the V-twin sign. They're like, yeah, right? I'm riding, yeah. I'm riding this fucking scooter and people are doing that shit to me and I'm like, I feel stupid doing it back, but at the same time, I'm like, hey, yeah, be safe, buddy. Like, oh, man. Yeah. I, I hate to say this, but I didn't wave back if, if the mopeds waved. I, 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 I never did it first. They did it to me, and I was like, all right, if you're going to do it. Uh. But I, uh, yeah. I, uh, I had to fight to get my man card back after having that thing. That was tough. That was real tough. Even my wife, my wife, she's like, because I I got a nice helmet. (laughs) I got a nice helmet. (laughs) Oh man, I can't talk about anymore. It's too. (laughs) And I'm not I'm not a small guy by any means. I'm five eight over two hundred pounds. So I'm on this thing. I look like Donkey Kong on that thing. Um, And uh, if I was single, no chicks. Uh, it, it and it kept dying on me. The piece of shit. <laughs> Nothing more embarrassing, right? We have roundabouts here for like instead of stoplights. Sometimes there's just roundabouts. I'm going around this roundabout. Man, the thing dies. I have to push it off the road. People are laughing. <laughs> I thank God I had a helmet on so nobody could see me. <laughs> uh, 
God. <laughs> Some oh, of the stuff awesome. I've done is just dumb. <laughs> so, yeah. Oh, cool. My wife's in the chat. That's fun. Neat. Uh -oh. <laughs> Hi, sweetie. <laughs> We're uh, behaved. <laughs> that's that's funny. <laughs> yeah. So I saw hey, Mike, I wear my heart on my sleeve, Mike, okay? <laughs> <laughs> Chris said that that Hemi was a stock bottom end. It broke the ring landing. Oh, okay. That's interesting. Then he said, Mike, uh, I guess Mike asked him something I missed. On the flip side, we built a Hellcat that made 900 to the wheels on stock bottom end. I guess it all depends on which Gen 3. Yeah. Because oh, yeah, I think Mike was asking about the Gen 3. Yeah, I mean, you have you know, obviously better internals. And you know the high horse application stuff like that. If it's a, a truck five seven or maybe just like um, an RT Charger five seven from the early days, you know, they were designed for what they were. And it's kind of funny that we, we talk about this is, you know, in my day job I work for a German company, and one thing I've really learned is kind of difference in design style so if you think back to when the gen 3 came out diamler owned chrysler diamler chrysler right so mercedes-benz german a lot of the parts on the gen 3 hemi are german like mercedes-benz parts right so the nag1 transmission that five you know that's german you know it, it came from the Benz. and one thing i've learned for them is like they're very very intelligent but they design for exactly the application. Like in America, we're like, oh, we got a transmission. We're going to design for this truck. Okay. Well, what's the horsepower, uh, horsepower output on this truck? 340. Okay. Let's let the uh, the design factor be a couple, you know, safety factor. Let's make it last for about 400 horsepower. Cool. Germany, the way they think about it is, okay, what's the output of this engine? 312 horsepower. Okay. Our transmission must be able to withhold 315 horsepower. Yeah. Like it's like it is. This is what it is, and this is nothing more. Like you know, anything else is waste. And I think about that a lot. Is you know, some of the early design Hemi is like, okay, it was designed for 340 horsepower, and that's what it's going to hold, and that's what we're going to do. So it doesn't surprise me, you know, without any upgrades of you know some bottom end bolts stuff like that that it would let go at that rate because you had a heavy German influence in design in those years. And they're just, it's just a different mindset. If you know, if you will. Yeah. Well, I don't see people taking their Mercedes Benz and throwing like aftermarket horsepower parts at it. Like Americans right. do with their, their cars, but Mopal baby. Yeah. <laughs> Could be why. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. I'm trying to think. There's something else I wanted to talk about, but I forget what it was. What's on everybody else's mind? Come on. Well, uh, I was thinking back to when I first started learning how to ride a motorcycle, touching on your coyote. Um, <laughs> I I lived out in a kind of a lake wooded area and saw, it was like three in the morning, saw a group of deer off to one side of the road, honked the horn, they went on their way. Here came dipshit cousin Larry bounding out of the tall grass and put his shoulder into my gas tank. Oh, and shit. Then, and then I punched him at 55 miles an hour because he put his face right into the handlebars. 
I had a buddy behind me. He didn't even see the deer. All I saw was my bike go sideways. And then we just kept going. We get to my house. I was like, dude, you see that deer I hit? And he's like, nah, you swerved. (laughs) (laughs) No. He left a dent in my gas tank, so I had proof. I had proof he was there. Wow. But, yeah, deer are a lot bigger when they're running at you at 55 miles an hour. (laughs) Yeah. uh, God, I could think of so many stupid things that happened to me on that stupid. I was coming down this hill, and it died on me, so I'm coasting down the thing. And uh, I started trying to brake because this was a pretty steep hill. So I'm braking, and I'm like, is that? Because I, I drive a semi, so sometimes if you smoke the brakes, you can smell the brake. And I'm riding this brake coming down this hill, and I can smell it. And I'm like, if I wipe out on this little piece of shit, I'm going to be so mad. And uh, I had to call my boss because it would not start again. I, I was livid pissed. So I, I, I did the hit it trick. Boom, 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 boom. I hit it, and it started. And I was like, thank God. <laughs> ride ride of shame that thing but dying in that in that roundabout that was the worst because <laughs> then because like i know it's stupid me instead of jumping off of it and like doing the bike move like oh get it out of there i'm on it like scooting my feet like come on <laughs> uh, uh, uh. <laughs> oh god yeah so, i'm laughing at you chris i actually had a moped once so did bud we're gonna start. A, we're gonna start a club. Nuns of Anarchy. Nuns I, of Anarchy. <laughs> I had a fifty cc Honda Elite. Oh boy, <laughs> this thing could not. Like I remembered, like explicitly, like cowering down behind the handlebars and like trying with all of my might to just kind of get the aerodynamics down. It because believe it or not, the, the engine was so underpowered it made a difference. If I sat up. <laughs> versus crouching behind the handlebars it would make a difference of like 30 miles an hour and 40 miles an hour and like 40 was like topped out like this is wow. the best you could do right wow. and uh, i didn't drive it much like maybe in the yard you know it was just like something i was just goofing off with right and i i remember we had a hurricane hit and this was you know didn't really happen that frequently we had a hurricane hit and the lines for fuel at the gas stations were just, I mean, it was two to three hour wait in line to get fuel for people with their generators and all this stuff. But the motorcycle line was just like, Hey, you know, just come in, fill up. And it was just flying. Like someone could pull in on a motorcycle, fill up their tank and go about their day. You know, they were trying to promote that. If you're on a bike using, you know, a more fuel efficient mode of transportation, it was like a shortcut line. So uh, our generator was going pretty low on fuel. And I said, oh, man, oh, I've got an idea. So I was like a total dumb and dumber move, right? It had like a little bike luggage rack on the back of this thing. I strapped two five-gallon cans of fuel on the back of this moped. <laughs> and I'm just like going past this. It was at least, I would say, maybe a two-mile line, like waiting to pull into this fuel station. And I just go right past all of them. <laughs> pull right up to the pump. I fill up the bike and 10 gallons of fuel, and people were cursing me. Oh, oh you son of a baby. <laughs> and, uh, so at that point, I'm sure I looked really uncool, but I did not care. I get it, man. There's, I have a couple similar things. So like I said, it was like 35. This thing was topped out. And I had I had like a sport bike helmet, right? And I'm on the and I, I literally was like this. I was like pinned. And I'm like, I'm gonna blow this thing up. It's like 
stressing because I'm so fat. It's like, oh God, ma, <laughs> right? So I'm I'm like looking up, you know what I mean? And I'm like, I just want to see what happens when I half a mile an hour. I didn't even get to 36. It was like 35 is here, 36 is here. It was like, eh. and I was like, okay, <laughs> it's just bad, dude, so bad. And for filling up fuel, I. I tried to play it cool around my wife because she made it clear that I was a dork for having this thing. And I felt like a dork, but I was too man to admit it. I was like, oh, hey, I'm man enough to ride this thing. Okay. I would not fill it up when I knew people were going to be there. I would fill it up at 3 a.m. when no one was around. I'd roll up. <laughs> All right. That's how much fuel it took. I'm like, <laughs> I, I actually, I actually, had, I actually filled it up too much one time because with the tank in that thing, you and our gas nozzles you kind of have to pull the thing that's why when you put it into a car it actually fills it up right so i stick it in there i'm like why is this fuel not coming out what the hell and i was like so i had to so i pull up on the little thing and it's filling and i'm like sitting there like come on i'm looking at the price right and then i start smelling fuel and i look down it's just spilling all over the place i was like son of a bitch so then i'm taking like the the squeegee that they have and i'm like tossing the (laughs) shit water on it and like trying to wipe it down i was like fuck it (laughs) went to work yeah, that thing. God. Yeah, from mopeds to mopars. Yeah, Mike. Correct. That's correct. Hey, whatever it takes. Whatever it takes to get there, dude. Uh, I you, never really thought about to that too much. You lie huh? to yourself. You're like, okay, and I think we've probably all done it. It's like, man, I need to get this beater car because it's going to save so much on gas so that I can, you know, you know, put all that money into my, my car, my Mopar, you know, and do this. And you, you psych yourself, out, oh, I'm going to get that little bike. I'm going to get great fuel mileage. I'm going to save all the things, do all the things. And life's going to be great. The sun's going to shine and everything's going to be wonderful. And you get about a week and a half into it. You're like, this shit sucks. <laughs> right. We, yeah. I, it's like, in theory, the moped was a great idea. 45 miles to the gallon. Yes. No girls. Oh, (laughs) I was, uh, I pulled it into the warehouse and I would park it in the back of my truck, (laughs) like in the semi with all the beer around one time. This is a true story. I'm not bullshitting. So when they load the pallets of beer, you know, there's a space in the trailer, like down the aisle like that. Okay. And some of these stacks of beer, like seven or eight feet tall. So one time, I've got, I've got the thing in the back and I'm driving. And sometimes, you know, if they're too top heavy, they'll topple over. And I took a corner or a tur- I turned into like a gas station or something. And I, you can hear it. If you have the window down, you can hear the beer like crashing. And I, heard, and I was like, oh, shit, shit. I go, I go, I drop the lift gate and I see beer coming out that the trailer. Oh. And I'm like, oh, no. And I lift it up, and there's my little baby just <laughs> laying over on its side. So I I hated it, but at the same time, I was like, oh, I dropped my bike. Oh, <laughs> 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 oh I'm a dork. God, thank God. I'm going to delete this thing. I don't want anybody to know <laughs> this shit. There you have it, my friends. Another episode of Talking Mopars is in the books. For everything you need to know about this podcast or to listen and subscribe to the show, please visit TalkingMopars.com. And don't forget that you can send me your Mopar stories, questions, comments, complaints, suggestions, and everything else on your Mopar-addicted mind to Chris at TalkingMopars.com 
or leave me a voice message on my voice mailbox at 209-28-MOPAR to hear yourself on the show. Finally, a very special thanks to my friends over at Hemipages.com, Chuck and Matt McMurray. Definitely check out their work. One last thing before we wrap it up here. There are a couple of ways that you can help support what I do here on Talking Mopars and the Mopar Hunter 2. The first way is by jumping over to the website TalkingMopars.com and checking out the Talking Mopars merchandise shop. There you're going to find all the current Talking Mopars merchandise. So go give the merch shop a little look-see and possibly grab yourself or even someone you know something cool. The second way to help support the show and my work is by going to the Mopar Hunter Facebook page and becoming a supporter for only $4.99 a month, which breaks down to like $1.25 a week or around $0.17 per day. You will get exclusive access to supporter-only content that is coming soon, such as bonus podcast episodes, bonus video content, bonus live streams, exclusive access to the supporters-only group, the Mopar Hunters Association, monthly giveaways, and posts of all my finds of Mopars for sale, Mopar collectibles, and Mopar parts that you will only see if you are a supporter. They are not posted publicly on the Mopar Hunter Facebook page, so consider becoming a supporter today and help me out. Being a supporter of mine is a big help in keeping this Mopar machine running and will help me to provide even better content moving forward. So thank you for your support, and thank you for listening. That's it, my friends. Until we talk again, I am your host, Chris Albrecht, and that was Talking Mopars. Thank you for listening to Talking Mopars, your direct connection to all things Mopar. Until next time, remember, no Mopar left behind.